Hello out there, Bibliophiles, and welcome back to another episode of Drew Archives in 10. I'm Andrew Salvati, Adjunct Professor of Media and Communications here at Drew University, and I am in the archives with Candace Riley, Manager of Special Collections. Candace, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm excited to get into today's episode because it is something that you teased a number of episodes ago, and it's been on my mind ever since then, and we are getting to do it, so I am excited. I'm glad. I remember us talking a little bit, but I completely forgot that we were supposed to circle back to it. So thank yeah, you for remembering. Cool. Yeah, I wasn't going to let you forget. <laughs> no. So um, I am very excited to share with you four pieces from our collection of Victorian hair jewelry. <laughs> so if I said Victorian hair jewelry to you, what would the first thing you think of? You know, I wouldn't think, I would probably think it was jewelry that went in someone's hair. Sure, which is copper, a com- gold, silver, right? Exactly, a completely reasonable response, and that's what I do a lot of the time before I show students these. Yeah, just like if I say Victorian hair jewelry, what is your first reaction? The same thing. It's like a barrette of some sort, yeah. like a headband. But no, Victorian hair jewelry, also known as morning jewelry, is jewelry that includes hair. It could be just made from hair, so it's just it, the whole thing itself is woven together of hair. Or there are elements of hair with gold, silver, or other types of metalwork. It's a very interesting thing. I'm amazed by it. You know, I also obviously lean towards the macabre. Um, (laughs) But these are really beautiful. And this was a way for people to keep the memory of a person that they loved very close to them. And that's a really kind of beautiful thing that you can then have the hair of somebody and mm-hmm. keep it with you. I know students right now, when I've asked them, if you want to touch the hair, you're welcome to just be very, you know, you could pick up the ring. You're not holding right. the hair. It's okay. And they're so freaked out by it that it's just, they're not thinking it's anything romantic or sentimental. So it's a different way of viewing. Obviously it was over a hundred years ago. So a lot of different cultural viewpoints. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was supposed to be a very beautiful thing. It was not meant to gross anybody out. Yeah. So hair lasts for hundreds of years, which is why we still have this jewelry that was made from the late 19th century or that, early 20th that's amazing century. To me. I, I never would have thought that. No, and it's it's a really amazing. Um, originally, in the earlier Victorian period, hair jewelry was just for the wealthy. Because think about that you have to then have hair woven into gold, like cufflinks that I have in front of you, mm-hmm. or a ring, um, or something like this, which is a watch fob. And everything of the watch band is hair. That's that's incredibly detailed. It's incredibly yeah. detailed. These are amazing braids. And if you just, listeners, look down or look at a mirror and look at the fine quality of a single strand of hair, that's what you're looking at here. It's just uh, you know, probably like you know 50 pieces of hair or more woven together to create yeah. these amazing braids. So it's not like a very thick fiber either. So this right. could snap. You have to have like a really delicate way of handling the hair to be able to do this craft. So people would, you know, bring it to jewelers to then take care of this. There were specific hair jewelry companies. Yeah, sure. You would then like bring the hair of your hair or someone who passed or someone that you care about hair to the hair jeweler and say, I want this done in this cufflink. They would then weave it accordingly and then give you back the cufflink. Sometimes though, it was believed that the hair jewelers were not using the hair you provided. Uh-oh. 
which is a big thing because it's a sentimental thing, right? To have hair put into jewelry. So for them to think that's not the shade of blonde I brought you, right. that's like they're stealing your like dear one's hair. Yeah. Oh, kind of a weird thing, but maybe they wanted to use that shade for somebody nicer because you could also just buy hair jewelry. You didn't have to like provide the okay. hair. Okay. Um, that was not nearly as popular as people bringing the hair to then be woven into something sentimental. But yeah, you could just buy a hair wreath, wreath, which is literally just a wreath made of hair, a lot more hair than we're talking about currently in the jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you could bring it to an artisan and then they would then weave the hair for you. Um, it was so popular that in Godi's Ladies Book, which is actually a periodical that we have here in the archives, they have adverts for printed patterns to do your own hair jewelry at home. And they would also have adverts that say, I am a hair jeweler and I don't like steal hair. <laughs> Not worded that way, but that was right. The case that was a gist. Yeah. And it left people that thinking like, do the other people then who don't say oh. this steal the hair? And it was a very wary thing for people to be worried about the theft of their precious ones. Yeah. Hair. The ethically dubious hair jeweler who may thing. see what you brought them and say, Hey, I could get a really great markup for this. I'm going to give you some other person or goat's hair exactly. or something and uh, make off with the profits. Yeah. And that yeah. was a, a giant fear, which is, uh, you know, people would also then learn how to then do their hair braiding at home. It's easier to do, let's say, a little braid, wrap it up in a locket that we're seeing here and take care yeah. of it that way. I don't know if I have the skill to braid so finely into a ring. <laughs> Yeah, or like you're saying, it, it's it's the the fiber is so fine. You must need some kind of, if not special equipment. Maybe if you're a DIYer, you might have to build some kind of. Um, you know, I'm thinking about like weaving these over and having some kind of like harness or buckle to attach them to. And yeah, I mean, this is just amazing. I would say it's almost as fine as like lace making. Something that's yeah. so delicate that you have to have the correct tools. And I do right. say within Godi's Ladies Book. They had, in addition to the printed patterns, they offered starter kits to purchase with all the necessary tools to then okay. do it. So you can't just kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can just take some hair and just try to see what you can do with it. <laughs> but to make the quality that at least we have in the items in the archives, where you have these really intricate patterns and braids, you need the correct tools to properly do the art. Yeah. Which makes sense. Um, but that was another reason why people also did their work at home because they were afraid of the ethics of the jewelers. Yeah. Which I think is a wild thing. Yeah. So it, I think it's a, the craft itself I think is amazing and how it de- developed into this kind of like, you know, first it was an elite thing and then it became more middle class and everyone could then start engaging at home and making hair jewelry. Yeah. Um, and I think it's such a beautiful thing that you could, you know, have the cufflinks of, let's say, um, a spouse's like hair that you can take with you. Um, we did put these under our um, intense zoom camera that I use upstairs. Okay. And to magnify, to see the details, it is astounding. The amount of detail that they were able to do with this hair. And you can even see there's not that much breakage that like. No. I mean, there's nothing, there's, split ends. <laughs> right. There's no split ends hanging off this thing at all. It's all tightly woven. No, I know. It's amazing. Yeah, and then we have a, a ring here in which the, the hair is kind of woven into the band. Yes. So with that one, we have, I'm just going to pop it out of its, its box. We have um, a beautifully gold ring and it's 
then has these spots that they would have then woven the hair into. But if you look even at the inside, and it is engraved actually, um, let's see here, to mother. To mother. So, it just says mother actually, so maybe it was mother's hair. Oh, okay. Maybe that maybe that's what it was. Um, but look at it closely. It's almost this, um, I'm forgetting the term, but it's definitely yeah. a pattern that they have in between the gilding. Is it herringbone? Her that's it, herringbone. Yeah. yeah, so it's a herringbone pattern, and it's just, you could see them that there's nothing in the back, so they must have had to then have this technique to weave it through the metal. Yeah. Which, as you can see, we both wear glasses. Yeah. <laughs> but we both need to, like, look very closely, at least I do, to understand yeah. the amount of work. So I'm thinking, like, did they must have had amazing eyesight, or they must have gone blind doing hair jewelry. Yeah, some some special lenses, too. You know, mm -hmm. I imagine walking into one of these workshops and, and seeing a guy back there with some, you know, fantastic set of goggles on to be able to do this. But, yeah, it's so fine and so delicate. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's really amazing. And you mentioned like some guy. It's actually it's predominantly a female craft. Ah. So just as to spread that, that a lot of females were the ones who then kind of took upon hair jewelry, and it really became um, very popular as I said during the Victorian period, um, mostly because of the popularity of Queen Victoria. Okay. So she had hair jewelry as well. Huh. Um, she was known to carrying it around with her, and then it became even more popular, which makes sense. People were copying their queen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then after the Victorian period, hair work did go out of fashion for quite some time. There were some cultures that kind of kept up with it. Um, I think it was in Sweden that there were some women who kind of kept it up and they've been doing it for about 200 years. And in 1994, the Hair Worker Society was founded by the most active hair workers and they have done shows, exhibits and projects. So there are still people who practice the craft. Okay. Not nearly as popular as right. the Victorian period. Um, but I do know I've seen some classes online that people can get into doing hair jewelry, which I think it's kind of fun that people are interested in that. Yeah, because sure. Because it's an amazing craft. And I'm really cherished that we have these four items in the collection. And they're very different. You know, we have the mm -hmm. watch bob, which is woven hair. It's very thick. The ring, which has like that inter weaving between the hair and the, middle, the gold yeah. a locket which has a woman's photo with a just kind of a nice little um ringlet of hair with a, right. a ribbon and then also the cufflinks so who knows if these were then just purchased because they liked the beautiful design or if they were someone's hair i'm assuming the ring mother maybe mother's yeah. hair but they also said that um people who were making the hair jewelry would sometimes go to poorer areas of town and buy the hair off of people in the streets and oh, give them yeah. a ribbon. So if you have a beautiful blonde color hair or like mm -hmm. a beautiful red, that may be more desirable. Yeah. I mean, this locket, that's probably what I would have imagined because you, you we all know the expression, a lock of hair, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what this is. But then, yeah, you have some of these other examples. It's just amazing uh, craft work. It really is. And I encourage everyone to, Take a look at the photos that we will post on um, at True Archives on our Instagram account on Facebook. Um, but then if you are in the area to come and take a look at these because pictures do not do it justice. And there is a, a market online for hair jewelry. So if you're interested, you can find some online or you could try your hand at making your own. Yeah, it could be a lucrative side hustle. Nice summer project. <laughs> <laughs> nice summer project. Yeah. As we enter the last weeks of the spring semester. So come here and check it out. Oh, I couldn't resist. Oh, couldn't resist. I'll, what a dad joke. I'll, I'll cut that one out. Yeah. <laughs> well, Candace, thanks so much for 
sharing these with us. I'm I'm so glad I finally got to see them. Sure, it was a hair raising experience. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's our show. To take a look at some of the materials we've discussed on this and other episodes of Drew Archives in 10, head on over to the Special Collections and University Archives website at drew.edu forward slash library forward slash S-C-U-A. You can also check out images of some of the materials at the Drew University Participatory Archives at dupaarchive.org. That's D-U-P-A-R-C-H-I-V-E dot org. There's a lot of great stuff there, and the collection is growing every week, so I hope you check it out. That's it for now. And remember, you can now find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So if you like the show, give us a follow. If you love us, share us with a friend, or consider leaving us a rating and review. We'd love to know what you think. So for myself, Dr. Andrew Salvati, and for Candice Riley, Manager of Special Collections, we'll see you next time on Drew Archives in 10.